boop, boop. I'm gonna wait for this train to go by. Werner Herzog is just messing with you. I know. It's actually class you know what? Residency, if, driving if the train. If anybody listens to our podcast, it probably is Werner Herzog. <laughs> if anybody's actually famous, like I'd be okay with that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. He would be like, I'm going to choose this small little podcast in America to listen to. <laughs> We'll, we'll see a trailer of just like us. <laughs> How does he know we're in a barn? <laughs> He's been watching us for years. I did a documentary of middle-aged American men to see deep. what the purpose is in life. Yeah. Deep in the barns of upstate New York. Yeah. I find a group of sad men. <laughs> Over time, they come and they go. But they always talk about movies. Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail. So there will be spoilers. I'm Tom. I'm Patrick. I'm Steve. I'm Nate. And I'm Kevin. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> And Nate is apparently Kevin's hype man. <laughs> uh, in this podcast, we're uh, picking back up on the on Kevin's theme of uh, remakes. Uh, I had the uh, the pick, and Nate went off of my pick. Um, I chose Werner Herzog's 1979 remake of Murnau's 1922 Nosferatu. This remake stars Klaus Kinski and Isabel Johnny, yes. Yeah. I always get her mixed up with another actress, and so it, it's it's a remake of the uh, 1922 Nosferatu, which was basically Dracula, but they couldn't get the rights to Dracula, so they renamed all the characters and basically it's the same plot. Uh, Herzog takes the kind of the aesthetic of Nosferatu and just brings back in all the classic character names, uh, Renfield and the Harkers and uh, and the actual Count Dracula. Um, I'd been wanting to see this for a while. Uh, I'm a big fan of the original Nosferatu. I made the mistake of putting it on the podcast, <laughs> um, where these knuckleheads kind of tore it apart a little bit. Uh, Nothing is sacred on this podcast. Yeah. I don't think Patrick was here for that. No. No. So you're okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> he still likes you. <laughs> for now. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, actually, yeah, I hadn't, uh, I wasn't. I'm, I hadn't actually been that familiar with Herzog's work. I've seen Grizzly Man, which I'm a big fan of, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, I kind of was more familiar with Herzog through his reputation, just the crazy things that he did on film, which we'll be talking about more later with Fitzcarraldo, uh, Nate's pick, and uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the behind-the-scenes ridiculousness. So I don't think any of us had seen this before, correct? No. 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 Um, should I try to go for the low to high or the high to low? Or let's see. Let's go start. for it. I'm curious what you think the low to high would be. The low, low to high. high yeah. um, let's one. see. Hmm. Let me start with uh, Kevin. We uh, we give letter grades on this podcast, A through F, no pluses, no minuses. So, Kevin, what did you think and what is your letter grade? I didn't, I didn't prepare myself for this kind of director. Uh, and I was kind of weirded out by Dracula on this. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think that was the obvious intention. Um, He's almost so as creepy as Max Schreck. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Uh, Klaus Kinski. Yeah. I'd actually say creepier. Uh, the, honestly, yeah, I would say almost creepier. Um, 
and it wasn't just the acting it was also the, the lighting and the cinematography on it and, and that has to be intentional uh for, for as consistently as they did it throughout the film so i, I mm-hmm. once i understood that uh you know kind of took it um at first i thought this was just going to be a background movie you know have it on the background while i'm getting other stuff done uh and i do remember when he uh, i gotta see if i can remember all the details he he left to go to the count's castle um and he's going on this trek and, and it's a long trek that nobody wanted to take him you know he couldn't hire a carriage the music and the cinematography for that trip i loved and it was bizarre to me because it didn't fit my attachment to the rest of the movie up to that point. Um, so that kind of got me hooked into it at that point. And then it, it's almost like it, it was in another world at that point of the movie until Dracula, you know, goes onto the ship and leaves the castle and goes and, and it's the, the back third of the movie. Um, so I, I did enjoy that part of it. The, his teeth just bugged the shit out of me though. Um, and it's a it's a stupid little nitpicky thing, I know. Uh, and that's just it's a small choice. Um, little rat teeth. Yeah, I, I'm trying to rationalize. Well, you know, he's got to puncture the skin, and they've got to have holes, blah blah blah. And now teeth shouldn't make me think that much. As actually, that was an interesting as, character design to to have the teeth look like that. That's is that it what the definitely original? made him unique. Is that how his teeth were? Yeah, yeah, basically. I didn't. Maybe just because of the the age and quality of the film, I couldn't. I don't remember seeing that in the original, and they may have been there, and I just missed over it. But it, it definitely, for me, makes this. If I were to see this Dracula, I would immediately know that it came from this film. So I, I'm going to give it a C. Uh, but I, I think we'll notice as we go through flick chart, it, it's going to beat out other films that may have gotten a B. Just because I, I think there's more there, but there, it was a little too creepy for me. All right. Uh, I actually have no frame of reference from Patrick on Nosferatu, <laughs> like I do with the rest of the guys. So I'll go to Patrick next. Um, I don't think Patrick has a frame of reference on <laughs> no, yeah. okay. um, Have you seen the, the original Nosferatu? No, no, I haven't seen it. So this Are you familiar with the Dracula story. story? Yeah, I know the basic okay. story. But yeah, this is my first time actually watching the movie of it. Um, I don't know. It, it was not at all what I was expecting. Like, yeah, I definitely noticed the cinematography st- stood out. I remember, like, when he sat down to dinner with him, there was a shot where Dracula was, it was all black. All you could see was just the face, yeah. the silhouette of him. And then they cut back, and it was still like yeah. that. You know, it wasn't like, oh, they cut back, and now he's suddenly in the light. No, they cut back, and somehow he still had him sitting at dinner with the other, with the guy sitting there. Parker or whatever, I think, and, and Nosferatu was still just completely in black except for the face. It was yeah. crazy how he There's did that. There were some really cool shots of this. Yeah. No, there really yeah. were. Yeah. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think when it first started out, I thought, this could go kind of weird. And just seeing the initial opening thing with the woman, she struck me immediately as, oh, that's clearly like what I think of as like Dracula's yeah. vampire babes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and she never, and she never yeah. wound up being the vampire. You know, yeah. so she was the one that was the pure of heart who didn't. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. That, that was kind of weird. I didn't get the part where, why did he hide all of his coffins? Once he got there and he ran around to the churches and put like a coffin in each church. Surprised we have a place to just a place to go. lay low. Yeah. Because like, then when she found out that he was, because if you, yeah, but if you if you find his coffins and you destroy them and he has nowhere to go, 
I think also the story is he, he can only stay in specific coffins because the original Dracula thing, he has to be, there's, I can't remember if it's that he has to be in like the dirt of his home world or somewhere yeah, specific. Yeah, it's the dirt. The dirt yeah. he was buried in or that's why yeah. they all had dirt in them. Oh, okay. That, I missed the and he wanted to put a lot of them in so that way, no matter where he is, he has a place to go if he needs to because mm-hmm. otherwise he's dead. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot to think about in this movie. There's a lot more <laughs> than I thought there would be. It's almost like they all think they have the Black Plague, so they're all like, "Why are yeah. dead anyway?" And then they have that little, um, like, Last Supper kind of thing, yeah, where they're all good. dancing around. Yeah. But it, it was surreal when, like, you see her come back, and suddenly the town's empty except for all these people having a party in the middle. Yeah. But then after I watched it, I was like, "No, I guess that kind of like if you feel like everybody's dying, then we're all dying. Eat, drink, and be merry." Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That, and I was like, "No, I, I guess that actually made sense." So yeah. I'm going to give it a B. The more I've been reflecting on it, the more I've I've liked it. Okay. I'm going to go to Nate next. Yeah, I know I know Werner Herzog mostly from his documentaries, which he's relentless about making, and they're fantastic. I haven't ran into a documentary of his that I don't like. He's such a particular filmmaker. The only really um, live-action film, of his, like actual like narrative film of his that I'd seen before this was Rescue Dawn. And so I, I've always wanted to dig into the rest of his stuff. And I was, I was somewhat trepidatious about this, mostly because of my, how let down I was by the original Nosferatu. Because I think that's, I do think the original version is, is held up. I'm sorry, Tom, I think it is. Um, Renau is no Fritz Lang. I just don't think he's as good. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people love it. I think it's got a great performance. And I think Kinski gives a, a good performance in this. I was impressed, again, how much I like this. It's, it's still kind of a boring movie, and it still drags in places, even with the gorgeous shots. Even from the beginning, those shots of the mummies, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Just with yeah. their open mouths, and it's it's horrifying, just the imagery. And Herzog is the kind of guy, as we'll talk with Fitzcarraldo, where if it's not real, he's he's not going to do it. And all That's the shots why it was a good rad. fit for him to move into documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a B. And my only complaint is just that it's it's a little too slow in parts. It uh, it's weird for me to say that, but at times it's just it is just lingering on these mountains for a bit too long, without enough of the substance there. Yeah, I, there was one shot where I was like, okay, there are clouds. I understand, and we'll talk about more more about that. It's Corraldo for sure. No, yeah. won't. Every shot that's perfect. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Steve. I'm. I went with Steve Lash just because I know he already that he liked it. I don't know exactly yeah. to what level. But. Um, so I, I mean, with some of the pacing issues, yes, I agree with that. Um, I think this is actually vastly superior to the original Nosferatu. First of all, to just say Kaczynski's performance was good. No, it was Kinski. Kins- Kinski, right? John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yeah. <laughs> yes, John Krasinski's performance, uh, Kinski's performance, was uh, brilliant. He's a great child actor. I thought, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, mm-hmm. especially compared to Fitzcarraldo, which I watched first, and then in this, I mean, he was creepy as shit. I think like, he's actually I, acting in this. Although, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He knows although Herzog. Herzog said the rats were better behaved than him. Yeah, and I read stories of he would intentionally piss him off to tire him out, so he gave a subdued performance. Yeah, and it yeah. worked. I mean, it everything. It you could feel this sort of seething rage underneath, but it's just so I don't know, even. 
his when he looks at the camera is, like he wants to kill you you know Herzog's behind it he's just like yeah. kill you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but, he, but it also it's, gives the sense of fatigue yeah of just being alive yeah. for so many centuries and this restraint and like like yeah like this maturity that would come with centuries of life where or undeadness or whatever you want to yeah. call it and his performance was absolutely fantastic i think he was better than max shrek the performance as dracula was better yeah, i mean yeah max shrek's nosferatu is more of an image yeah and, i thought he pulled and, that off yeah. basically that same thing but took it to another level okay um, sure. the thing is I, I feel like the original one that movie is and i know this will just make tom even more mad the movie's almost unwatchable without Max Shrek's performance. It's, yes, I agree. This isn't that one. That movie is. <laughs> I'm sorry. This, I'm the not, characters in this one are interesting. Yeah. Uh, why they're not recoiling from this guy when they see him, I don't understand. Well, this so, is beautiful, man. Uh, but was this set in Amsterdam? Vismar. It looks like it. Vismar. Vismar. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, it really looked like Amsterdam. Actually, I, just, I, was, I was not sure when this took place in the beginning. I was like, is this supposed to be now? Or, and, then oh, was, and, and then it was like, no, this is clearly like a while ago. 1800s. But then, but then like, there were certain like, things on the ships that looked really, really modern, which was really confusing to me. But, well, I mean, just the fact that they were worried about bubonic plague. Right. Like, and and didn't know that it was transmitted by rats. Yeah. So I actually I enjoyed this quite a bit. I enjoyed, like I said, some of the shots, that mirror shot, where, oh, where comes in the bathroom. He, there's just the oh, shadow, yeah. and yeah, then she slowly, and it's her. And you know it's like there's not actually a mirror there, and I can see how it's done, mm -hmm. but it's still really brilliant, and it still looks really cool. And there's a lot of stuff like that in this that I, I really liked a lot. So I, I'm actually, I'm going to give it an A. I'll balance it out with my next grade. So um, <laughs> I'm going to give it an A because I think I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Okay. And that the, his performance as Dracula or Nosferatu, whatever, Dracula, uh, yeah. is, I think, is an amazing performance from someone who I wouldn't expect that kind of performance from, a subdued sort of mm -hmm. even performance. Yeah, I, uh, I was really actually not enjoying this movie right up until the part where Dracula is actually introduced into the film. And then, as soon as that happens, it's just like magnetism. Mm -hmm. uh, but before that, to me, I mean, yeah, there were nice shots and everything. And uh, I thought the opening was effective with the mummies and, and their catacombs or whatever. But I just found the acting to be atrocious. And in retrospect, um, the fact that they shot everything in German and then in English, um, I wonder... They did. If, There's two versions. Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, if those same actors would be... A lot better in German. The German Herzog says it. He says it's better in German. Yeah. Yeah, because it would be more naturalistic and whatever. Because um, the main guy that this focuses on, uh, who plays Jonathan Harker, mm -hmm. Bruno Gans. Yeah, yeah. I just man, I found him just bland. Yeah. Just super, super bland. But that's kind of. I mean, I actually had just watched uh, the 1931 Dracula with uh, Bela Lugosi recently, and I'm familiar with the 1922 Nosferatu. That character's bland in just about any film. Yes. Um, Harker's a boring character. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you, how you can fix that. Um, yeah. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and I think because <laughs> I had just watched because I had just watched uh, Dracula, thirty one. That movie has three or four really I would call iconic performances. Um, the guy that plays Renfield, 
compared to the one that plays Renfield in this is so much better. And Renfield, which one's Renfield? Renfield is is the he's he's the one that Dracula turns into his familiar. The, the one giggly that, guy. The yeah, the giggly guy. Oh, he was fantastic. I thought he was oh, awesome really? in this. Yeah, he was super creepy and I don't know the laugh. I, oh, felt I love that. And the thing is that uh, I think it's Dwight Fry plays Renfield in 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 the nineteen thirty one. I, I love his performance. And the same deal with Van Helsing. Van Helsing in the 31 version is such a strong character. And in this, he seemed like such a weakling. Like yeah, he's a just an guy. old doctor. Yeah. So He's not a character, really. Like, comparatively, as far as, as far as acting goes, this didn't do much for me, except for Klaus Kinski, who I thought was amazing, and rivals Max Schreck um, and Bela Lugosi, just in terms of, like, an iconic portrayal of that character. The further went on from there after Dracula was introduced, I, I was definitely more into it. So um, I am actually going to give this a B. I can't go as far as an A just because I was bored with a good deal of it. But it, it's interesting that there could be that many different versions of this story, and they're all kind of interesting in their own way. Yeah. So I guess the part at the end, I, I've never read it. Nate, you read it? Ramp yes. Rampers Dracula? Anybody yeah. else? No, I don't know. No? I think I opened the book once, and I saw how dense and just like... Isn't it... It's an intense book. Yeah. yeah. Is it a? It's long. It's it's written it's, 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 it's it written in letters. Yeah. It's also yeah. epistolary. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was. I'm curious now, like if the the way they ended this is um, a liberty, the way that Jonathan Harker kind of becomes the vampire at the mm. end, and um, yes, that's a liberty taken in, in this version. Yeah. In in the novel, so um. So I think Mina Harker. Mina Harker. Originally, they, they actually go back to the castle. Right. Um, and they kill him there. Um, mind you, it's it's all in letters. So there's like a letter where it's like, we killed him. And then they explain. It's kind of me like, oh, letters don't work for action. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dracula's dead. Now let me tell you how we did it. Well, thanks. Yeah. You know. And this is more following <laughs> the beats of Murnau's. Um, yes. Yeah. So what does that do for uh, GPA, Nate? With four Bs and an A, that gives no Sferat. Wait, I think no, Kevin, Kevin gave a C. Kevin? Whoops. Yes, I did. Yes. Okay. Sorry mind. to disturb your nap, Kevin. But... <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> your monotone arguments are putting me to sleep. <laughs> we are very interesting. <laughs> yeah, <that's correct>. we... <laughs> With three Bs, an A, and a C, it gets a B. Or a Dr. Zoidberg saying, hooray, <laughs> I'm adequate. All right. Um, I don't have a computer in front of me, so I can't do flick chart. So if Nate could possibly do that. I just have to take care of everything. <laughs> I can do the intro. It's fine. Because I'm not going to berate our listeners for it. Um, <laughs> that's Nate's thing. That's Nate's thing. Yeah, uh, flick chart. Flickchart's a website that we use. We've used it pretty much since the first year, mm -hmm. um, where you get two films, you pick which one you like better, it builds your rankings automatically. And uh, we've been doing this for almost, well, about seven years, and we got like 560-ish films on our yes. chart. Yeah. So if this uh, podcast was our child, it'd be going into third grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to add Nosferatu the Vampire to our flick chart. That already includes Nosferatu <laughs> and Shadow of the Vampire, which is a play on Nosferatu, all of which I picked. With Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Um, so the first matchup is Nosferatu the Vampire versus The Final Cut. Nosferatu. 
Final Cut. Nosferatu. Bravo, Patrick. See? I like that no. Final Cut. Kevin already has This is what I'm talking straight. about. Nosferatu is going into the top half. Mine got straight A's. It's in the bottom half. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Why doesn't what this make fuck? sense? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when Fight Club and Final Cut are next to our neighbors in the middle. Next up, Nosferatu or Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down. Black, Black, Hawk, Hawk, down. Down. Black Hawk Down. Tom picked Black Hawk Down. Yes, he did. Uh, uh, yeah, Black Hawk Down. Nosferatu or Videodrome. Nosferatu. Yeah, I'm going to go Nosferatu. Videodrome. This is too weird. I think I'll go Nosferatu as well. Nosferatu or What Dreams May Come. What Dreams May Come. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, that's a different film. <laughs> that title is just so unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare should have thought that one through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember. I know I saw that, but I don't honestly remember. The paint. The vote on it. The paint yeah. flowers. And, yeah, I'm going go to go to hell because life. Yeah. yeah. It goes to, is it hell or purgatory? Oh, it's hell. It's hell. Yeah. He has traveled oh, through no, purgatory. Right. Yeah, he has. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Me too. Great. Good job. Choosing <laughs> the winner after it's already won, Tom. Come Nosferatu or Star Wars The Force Awakens? Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. I always feel yep. like such a, <laughs> such a nerd. <laughs> Google, it's an awesome Google. movie. Lightsabers. Zap, zap. <laughs> it's great, though. So that puts Nosferatu at 224 on our flick chart. It is below. Pacific Rim, Arachnophobia, and The Naked Prey. It is above Frost Nixon, Thor, and Them. Where's Nosferatu, the first one? I don't know. Oh, okay. It's not in the top 250. It's not in the top 250. No, it's in the bottom. It's down to the bottom because we, we trashed it, Steve, remember? Yeah. Oh, I remember. We took, we took what is considered one of the best horror films of all time, um, and we said it was awful. Yeah. And I still stand yeah. by that. I do too. Impressionism. All right, guys. <laughs> Look, I'm not. I'm not. You know, its its influence is undeniable. Yeah, it's... let's just talk about your insanely long movie now, Nate. <laughs> Speaking of undeniable influence <laughs> in terrible movies, I don't think that Fitzcarraldo is influential. But whatever. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Fitzcarraldo. Here we go. <laughs> Who's actually watched this movie from beginning to almost end? I have. 20 minutes of it. I watched most of it. I skipped some <laughs> long scenes of people working. because It took me that. a long time to watch oh my it. My gosh, those are the best scenes. Okay. You can only watch a guy move a rock so many times. And I was also, I watched several scenes twice because I was trying to figure out if I preferred it in the grainier version where they were speaking English or the much sharper picture where they were speaking German. Oh. And eventually about halfway through I settled on the German. It's, it was filmed in English. I know, but the actual like official version, if you find it, they it should all be German. German. No, no, he filmed it in English. But they're all the only one who could speak German was the only one who could speak German was Klaus Klinsky. Yeah. It's very strange and frustrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should be watching it in English. That's what he filmed it in. There were certain scenes where, like, I literally I couldn't tell what was going on. It's, it is so grainy. Yeah, like there's a shot of a fish, mm -hmm. 
I think that's when I decided. <laughs> that's funny. There's a shot like in a pond. I really like, need to see that fish. <laughs> no, but it was like a shot, and I was like, what am I looking at? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what this is. And then I went and I watched, I was watching them speak in German. And then there was a shot. I was like, oh, that's clearly a fish. Like, yeah. All right, we ready to do this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, we are. We've got audios and whatnots all splitted. We're split. Just like that girl's tongue. tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yucky. All right, so um, I had been, uh, when Tom chose Nosferatu, I knew the perfect movie to pick with this. I had for a long time wanted to watch Fitzcarraldo, which is a movie by Werner Herzog that is um, very infamous, a lot for its production. It is also very highly regarded. Um, It's about a man who has this, crazy obsession to build an opera house in the middle of the jungle and show so he comes up with this absolutely insane scheme that requires him to drag a boat over a mountain in order to get rubber that can't be accessed any other way it is again directed by Werner Herzog stars Klaus Kinski uh, Claudia Cardinal briefly um, and then a huge cast of native Peruvian um, Indians Um, all of us have not watched this film no. Correct. Patrick's okay. seen 20 minutes of it. Yeah, I saw the first 20 minutes. Could you just not get through the rest, Patrick, I think? Is that the case, right? Basically, the, yeah. the subtitles got off. So the subtitles got off. I couldn't figure just, out who was saying what. You just what. threw in the towel and forget I, it. I gave it a valiant effort. I okay, all right. spent yeah. many an hour attempting it. Yeah, okay. And My students yeah, tell me the same thing. I couldn't even get the subtitles up there, so I was using my limited Spanish knowledge. Um, <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't in Spanish. It wasn't Portuguese. Portuguese? Well, Portuguese is close enough to Spanish. Portuguese yeah. at the beginning, and then once they get into Peru, it goes into some form of Quechua with the natives. and Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I got about maybe half hour into it, and, and it was still on, but I just there was no way I could follow it at that point. Yeah. And I finally saw it to watch it in German, so. <laughs> yeah. This is a very frustrating movie as far as language goes. Yeah. <laughs> So, Kevin and Patrick, you're out. Um, I'm going to turn, whatever, you know. So, I'm going to go to, sure, whatever. Steven, you first. Talk uh, about Fitzcarraldo and your yeah. partial watching. I watched the first half of this all the way through. And I actually, I can't say I was all that engaged. I was trying to stay engaged, but I wasn't really invested in anything that was happening or the characters or anything like that. Was, it felt like a documentary about the Amazon, like traveling down the Amazon. I'm like, okay, that's interesting, but... And that's... pulling a boat over mountain, because yeah. that's what you do. Well, no, that's in the second half of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not in the first half of the movie. So I'm just the first half, I'm like, okay, things are happening. but And I can watch, and I kind of force myself through it, and okay, whatever. But then we get to the second half of the movie where they start pulling the boat over the mountain. And that's actually when... Now, as far as a feat of filmmaking... That's crazy, insane. It's like one of the most, the I don't want to say greatest feats of filmmaking, but like greatest and strangest feats of filmmaking. Yeah, ever. no, I'm willing to say but that. But it's yeah. <laughs> boring as hell to watch. And that's when I started like, okay, a guy's moving rocks. And I'm like, well, I'm going to skip ahead 10 minutes and see what happens. He's still moving the fucking rocks. And then There's a lot like of rocks, man. They literally the... <laughs> show you them like what it takes to move a boat over a mountain. It's, I don't care. That's not fun lot. to watch. Like no, I understand that it's a that. it's the the act of doing this is an amazing feat. It's boring as fuck to watch. 
Steve's <laughs> I, Steve, Steve, I was watching this at Steve's house after he did our scene and I was watching it by myself yeah. and I just looked over and I was like, could we Rocky montage this a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Just like get get moving. And yeah, I mean there are scenes of them pulling and I I mean I can't can't help but like the exploitation is just seeping into your pores. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so then I felt dirty watching it and I'm like, I okay, I'm gonna skip ten minutes. I'm still pulling the fucking boat. Ten more minutes, still pulling the fucking boat. So and then like at some point I, I just started like giving up and I'd watch a little bit here and then skip, watch a little bit. Then it got to the end where the natives are dressed in Victorian dress playing as a band and I was like, Oh, uh, this wasn't is the I same natives. dirty about it. Was, this. Yeah, it but you, you, you completely a... yeah. Did you miss the whole part where he actually gets back? Those are opera singers he brings in from Manau. But they they have like you can you can feel the colonialization. You know what I mean? You can yeah. feel the exploitation still in that scene. I mean, that's I think that's a part of what that scene represents is this exploitation yeah. that's seeping in. And I just, at that point, I just felt because even though the movie is commenting on that, it's also participating in it. So I felt right. And I think dirty. I think that I think he has he has no that's his film. Like he's going to get. It sounds it sounds awful, but in order to show exploitation, I think he willingly went and exploited people. I don't. And think I, he I think he would thought he would that deeply that. about it. Oh, he probably would acknowledge it. I don't think he'd have a problem with it. No, I don't think he he, he would have a problem with it at all. Yeah, and I that, yeah. that made me uncomfortable. But yeah. I just I could not I I just couldn't get into any part of this movie. And I I did try, but I think he wants to make you uncomfortable. I think it's I don't it's think he has an any interesting, problem making you uncomfortable. It is an interesting feat of filmmaking, but that doesn't make it interesting to watch. I think it makes it fascinating. That's part part of it is watching this you know, what, thing actually happen. Watching like people work yourself. for half an hour 45 minutes yeah watching them tug a boat over a mountain no it's not it that that's actually really tedious apparently he, well, I'm yes about, <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna agree and disagree with both of you at the same time yeah which, so we, makes perfect sense um, <laughs> so what what, I, what what grade would you give it steve d d yeah absolutely d well you know what you're poop go ahead Tom. <laughs> steve missed some stuff that i think would have filled in the blanks by skipping Although I understand Did you wanting to, because scene? there's nuanced stuff about the relationship between the natives and this white guy and this ridiculous thing he's trying to do, right? Yes. And why are they helping us? There was that one scene that I, I thought was hilarious where they're talking about the myth of the natives where this white god comes in a boat to save them. Yeah. And then they climb on the boat and he's like, we're going to take advantage of this. And he's like, what are they saying? They're saying that they know you're not the white god, but your boat's cool, so they want to <laughs> hang out with you. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh, they're not, they're not stupid. They're not, they're not right. stupid. You know. But it, it but, also acknowledges that he was, that part of the exploitation wasn't like this, like, which happens a lot in movies where it's this accidental thing where, like, oh, my gosh, the natives, like, think you're a god. They, they yeah. acknowledge that they deliberately try to take advantage of it, you know. Yeah. When what's actually happened is the, the natives are exploiting. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Uh, because this ship has is there. He has a resource they their way to appease to. the gods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm kind of like caught between here because I agree that watching a ship creep up a mountain for five minutes straight is really boring. And there were parts where, I mean, I zoned out a couple times and snapped back into it and realized, oh, wow, they're still moving rocks. Um, <laughs> I actually found the first half or so of this movie really interesting. I thought that the character of Fitzcarraldo was interesting. 
Um, definitely like very different, very odd and out of place in his own society, which I, I think I found this more interesting watching this kind of odd guy trying to navigate his own society. And I, I also liked his wife as a character, you know, mm -hmm. just the, the kind of way that she was able to back him up, like at that party scene, mm -hmm. you know, where he's playing opera. I actually really yeah. love that scene where he brings the, it's not a phonograph at the time. Is it a phonograph? Yeah, it's a the phonograph. Time? Yeah. And sets mm -hmm. it in the middle of the floor, and he just looks like ecstatic that this music is playing. And then this guy comes over and tries to shut it off, and they get into this argument. And just the way his wife comes in and, and just totally like backs him up, even though he looks completely insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but you also realize the class difference there, where he's not this person who's been accepted. He's been pushed out. Right. He's not, you know, he's so desperately. Yeah right from the opening scene, just wants to be in opera, which is this exclusive, very bourgeoisie sort of thing that you have to do. And there's there's no reason to exclude him other than because we, we choose to have this created societal yeah. difference. And he's yeah. not trying to exploit, and, and this whole idea of exploitation is interesting. And the part I think that I found the most interesting was um, when they actually use the word exploitation. Mm -hmm. before, before he takes the trip, he's talking to the Don Aguilo or whatever his name is, um, the guy that's funding him, and they actually use the terminology. You need to exploit this area. This land, time. yeah, it's it's the legal term. You need to exploit it within a yeah. particular amount of and time. And like in our day and age now, we look back on that, and exploitation is such a dirty, dirty thing. Right. You know, especially in terms of what white colonizers did to the Americas and the native population. So I'm I'm with Steve on that, but I think that the character fits is interesting he's not he's not trying to exploit the land out of greed he legitimately has a passion to bring opera to everybody yeah. you know he wants he yeah. wants he wants to share this passion this thing that brings beauty into the world and obviously you know i mean i'm not i don't really care that much for opera but the way it just draws people in you know of all classes and mm -hmm. races and they're just you know just totally like hypnotized by this it's interesting, and I, and I loved his performance and the whole, you know, that the pure passion that he has for this. Um, I did start to get really impatient with the second half, especially when they started moving the ship. And later when they're going down the rapids and it's like it's just long shots of this. It's obviously a real ship going down real rapids, so that's right. impressive. But there's oh, no... Come on. <laughs> listen, listen. There's no human drama attached to it. I'm just watching a ship go down rapids. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, detached at this point from whatever is happening emotionally. So the fact that there's five people actually on that ship who literally could die? Who literally could die, but I'm not actually seeing any of them. I'm just seeing a ship go down the rapids, yeah. you know what I mean? And they get, occasional... did you, I mean, they, they, they come out, they're actually, like, inches away from these rocks when the ship actually slams into these rapids. It's horrifying. You you could never do anything like this in real life, like today. Never. Yeah, I agree. Or I even mean, before. Yeah, not since the silent era have we seen anybody touch on stunt work like this. It's remarkable. I don't know necessarily if he should have done it because I think this is a he's he at, at this point in his career is a type of filmmaker who would get the shot regardless of consequence to human yeah. safety or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't have any respect for that kind of filmmaking. I can say that this is a remarkable thing he caught on film, but at the end of the day, I don't care if he ever actually made a film about a ship going over a mountain and actually made a ship go over a mountain. I mean, what 
it's doing something crazy for the sake of doing something crazy. So I, yes. I appreciate this. I appreciate the story of Fitzcarraldo and what he was trying to do, but that that emotional through line kind of lost me toward the end when it wasn't about him trying to fit into the society anymore and actually being the guy that's exploiting the natives and you know the natives died as a result and all that kind of thing so what grade um, would you give it i i'm gonna have to go with a c and that's pretty much because of how it kind of lost me in the second half or the last third or whatever but i think it could have been a more interesting examination of this character than it became i see i see this as um it's such a fascinating film to me to turn over in my head um and i'll try to bring up some of the crazy stuff that happened on production um but this this is ultimately a film about a man doing s doing a useless feat, right? Dragging a boat over a mountain for the sheer purpose of bringing music to everybody, which is not, you know, something that has, has any sort of value other than cultural. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Such a, a worthless thing, right? What are the people in the jungle going to do? It has no practicality. Do? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make anybody any money, which is right. what these people are all about. Yeah, and it's what... Which is what makes Werner, him a pariah. Right, but it's, it's also what Werner Herzog is doing. His making of this film is this film. It's this insane meta thing where he is he's pursuing this obsessive desire to make a film about this, to physically drag a boat over a mountain. You know, a, a speedboat would be one thing, but this gigantic steamboat. And to do this, it took him like three and a half years to set up the production. He is, yeah, pushing past all of these lines of morality. Right? I think at least one person did die on the production of this. At one point, the natives actually did rebel and burn down his production camp. And he's quoted as saying the only reason he didn't attack back is he thought it would be bad for international re like relations. It's like, yeah. like if he wouldn't have gotten caught, he was ready to literally wage war over this. I like that guy... word said, like, he decided not to retaliate. Yeah. <laughs> he decided not to send, like, a, a, an opposing war party. It's like, right. this is the guy making a movie. <laughs> I know. Uh, but the production, the production to me is more interesting than the actual film. That's the well. I mean, but I, I think thing. the film is the production. Like, I think what what has come out of this is Kinski's character, Fitzcarraldo, is Herzog making this movie, demanding these things of people, creating something for us all to to see, putting us through this, and you're going through it with him. And in a weird way, one thing that Herzog is known for is in his production, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't ask his cast to do. Right? He puts himself through all those stunts. He's gotten malaria from being out here in Peru for so long from, you know, supposedly the natives here threatened to murder Kinski constantly, like apparently legitimately too, like they would have gone through with it. A man cut his own leg off in this with a chainsaw and with, without a doubt, he's taking massive exploitive advantage of them where he said you'd be an extra in a movie. He pays them bare minimum wage and doesn't tell them they'll be gone from home for a year. But this is what the the movie is about this is it's it's stunning I don't, I don't know how to rectify all of this and then see it come together he also thematically is really really concerned with that idea he feels like Fitzcarraldo I think in real life a person who wants to bring his dreams to humanity to the rest of us and we're always the the Hollywood elites the the European elites won't let him in you know and say you what you're doing isn't opera you know we don't care that you like this you, you can't be a part of this and here he's saying that film art is universal. Opera is something that we have artificially made exclusive. But at the end of the day, it's just art. And it doesn't have to be. And at the same time, the danger and the insanity, because his actions are insane that you go through, 
shouldn't be judged, shouldn't be limited. I, I think that's what he's saying. I, I don't know that I agree with him. I find it one of the most challenging films I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like this. And the originality of this film staggers me, just absolutely staggers me. And yeah, watching that something being carried up a mountain can be boring. But when I'm left thinking about what it took to do that, the sheer willpower, I'm giving this an, an A. I'm just, I don't know, I'm just blown away by this film. So Patrick and Kevin, have we convinced you to watch this or do we need to like shake you and make sure you're awake? No, I definitely want to watch it. It looked, what I had seen so far, it looked interesting enough. Uh, and after reading some of the stuff about it, yeah, I definitely wanted to see it. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it could have been trimmed by a good hour, a half hour or so. Would have tightened it up a little bit. More dramatic tension. I can understand that. Yeah. But I do think you, I, I, I think you're right, Tom, what you said earlier about it's been a, him moving completely towards, almost exclusively towards documentaries has been a very good thing for him. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he can do it, so much more with it. It's it's clearly what he's always been interested in is actuality of he he wants what you see on screen to be real. Yeah, no matter how but, crazy it is. Right, which is he works with relatively. This was like the biggest production crew he's ever worked with because he went out and exploited them. But he normally has he normally has like really small crews, like under twenty people. Yeah. Right, like incredibly small, which is I think Nosferatu was like sixteen people. Yeah, which like is that. it's unheard of. He made a documentary where he he went to an active volcano site to interview people who had stayed when they were right. told their town was going to get like burnt down. He went and interviewed him while the volcano was about to explode and tried to get as close to the volcano as he could. Yeah. <laughs> who, who does that? Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man ate his own shoe, right? Literally ate his own shoe. So with an A, a C, and a D, that gives Fitzcarraldo a C, which is a spicy pepper. <laughs> All right, we're going to add Fitzcarraldo to our flick chart. If you don't know what flick chart is, why did you skip the last segment? Huh? What are you, pulling a Steve? <laughs> it's possible Steve's ignoring you right now. So. First matchup. First matchup. Fitzcarraldo or the final cut? The final cut. Fitzcarraldo. I'm actually going to go Fitzcarraldo. Woohoo! <laughs> Here's an easy one for Tom. Fitzcarraldo or City Lights? City Lights. I'm, I'm going to go City Lights as well. Yeah, City Lights. Fitzcarraldo or Black Hawk Down? Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down. Fitzcarraldo. Black Hawk Down wins, though, whatever. Fitzcarraldo or Prisoners? Prisoners. Fitzcarraldo. Fitzcarraldo. Ooh, interesting. It's going places. Fitzcarraldo. <laughs> slowly, slowly, but surely, much like the movie. Fitzcarraldo. Or the Skeleton Twins. Skeleton Twins. Skeleton Twins. It's Corraldo. That's interesting, Steve. You really don't like Skeleton Twins. No, I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Fitz Corraldo or The Lookout. The Lookout. The Lookout. Fitz Corraldo. But I guess The Lookout wins. Fitz Corraldo or Solaris. George Clooney on a spaceship. Solaris. Oh, this sounds weird, but until I see Tchaikovsky's original, I'm going to go Fitz Corraldo. That does not sound weird at all. Okay. I'm going Fitzcarraldo as well. Fitzcarraldo, one of the greatest movies ever made, John Carter. <laughs> John, John Carter. Carter, actually. I'm going to go John Carter, too. I recently rewatched it. It's still better than Star Wars. 
<laughs> so I, good. I love that. I love that movie more than I think it definitely has issues, major issues. But that was one of those movies where I saw it and I immediately wanted to see it again just because it made me feel like a kid. Yeah. You know, like I just and when's the last time and... I've like seen a movie like that? I yeah. I can't think of since that movie. I can't think of another one. Every other podcast, we do sci-fi fanboy movies. What do you mean you haven't had a chance to feel like that? <laughs> I know, but I, but but they don't make me feel that way. They're, they're, they're interesting. You know, it's just like, dude, it's like she's the one, you know, and sometimes, you know, the, these other girls are just like, whatever. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? Uh, Fitzcarraldo or Less Than Zero? Less Than Zero. Fitzcarraldo. I can't vote. I'll go Less Than Zero. You haven't seen all this. <laughs> We're going to stop it here. It stops here. It would only go up one if it beat less than zero. Or it stays where it would be if it doesn't. Um, that puts Fitzcarraldo at 240 on our flip chart. It is above Warhorse, The Dark Crystal, and Cloud Atlas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with all of this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. We're going to come back and tell That's you what we're talking about perfect. next week. So next time on the podcast, um, I had pick, which is rare, actually. It hasn't worked out well, historically speaking. I don't know. I honestly can't remember the last time I had first pick. I think it might have been my pick straight to hell. And then I went with Yes, it. we no. remember. And we so haven't given you one since. No, you've had a pick since then. But... Oh, I've had picks, but I don't know if I've had, like, the No, the main... first pick. Really? You have, but I think I you picked, know. like, a theater movie or something. It's been a while. But, um, so I was trying to come up with something different. I don't have a large of a backlog of movies that I've wanted to see. So I just got to thinking about like original Netflix movies. So I looked around there and found one that looked pretty interesting. Um, it's called Okja. Woohoo! <laughs> um, so it's an original Netflix movie that just was released in November. Um, Bong Joon Ho is the director. I don't know his work. Joon Ho Bong. Joon Ho oh, Bong. Oh, oh, I do. Okay. Well, apparently. Um, just to give the IMDb synopsis, um, for 10 idyllic years, young Mia has been a caretaker and constant companion to Okja, a massive animal and even bigger friend, at her home in the mountains of South Korea. But that changes when family-owned multinational conglomerate Mirando takes Okja for themselves and transports her to New York, where an image-obsessed and self-promoting CEO has big plans for her dearest friend. So with no particular plan, but single-minded and intent, Mia sets out on a rescue mission. So it's basically about a girl who loves an animal, and the animal gets taken away, and she goes to try to rescue it. So I got thinking about the theme, and the theme I decided to pick was wholesome animal love. <laughs> I, added, I added the wholesome <laughs> because I felt the broader animal love category, especially when taken by Steve, may go in wrong directions. So <laughs> with the theme wholesome animal love, Steve. <laughs> so, obviously, you said bestiality. So, um, <laughs> I uh, I immediately got online, and there's some terrible things out there. So, I decided to go with a movie about a donkey, because um, <laughs> you know. Did you pick Shrek? No, um, actually, I'm picking, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but Al Hazard Balthazar from 1966. Al Hazard Balthazar. Ohasard Balthazar, yeah. Um, it's the story of a donkey, a mystery of donkey and the girl who is his kind of friend as a child, and then it sort of follows them throughout their life and 
apparently it parallels the treatment of the donkey with the treatment of this girl. And um, they eventually fall in love and run away together or something. I don't know what <laughs> happens at the end. But uh, it's an interesting movie. Um, I, I had I know nothing about it. I just kind of was searching around for animal movies. And I was going to pick Cujo, but um, this this kind of caught my attention and it sounded interesting. So we'll see where that goes. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have, I coincidentally, I think, Stephen, you mentioned Okja a couple months ago. Yeah. Or, or, or somebody did. So I watched it. So I, I but I want to watch oh. it again. Though. Yeah, um, I do too. I haven't seen your Malthazar, Balthazar, whatever <laughs> donkey show movie. Um, <laughs> Oh, you will. It's just a sweet movie so. about some little girl and her pet donkey and we're making it sound so dirty. Uh, I was looking through it and I had a couple, um, all of which I've seen, uh, but one of them is, it's a classic, but I think it's buried and I haven't seen this since I was probably... I was going to choose Babe, Pig in the City. Seven or eight. <laughs> no, no, the Babe ones, they're, they're not buried. They're great and I love them and, and I've watched them with my kids and... Actually, I think I'm going to go with Old Yeller. Uh, oh, my yeah, so yeah. Bitch. I want to make was... everybody cry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I told these guys I was thinking about going with that, and then Old Yeller, I I want to watch again, and I want to really watch because the last time, like I said, I, I was still single digits in age, and all I can remember is crying at the end. So <laughs> that's pretty much a universal experience with yeah. Old Yeller. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been wanting to yeah. watch that for a long time, actually. Old, old Yeller is the movie you show people to make sure they're not a sociopath. I, I have the, uh, yeah. Um, so when I first heard about this theme through the email chain, Steve ironically called it uh, sensual animal love. <laughs> <laughs> and the first movie that popped in my mind, which I promise I'm not picking, but I need you to look up, is called Passion in the Desert. Ugh. Why? <laughs> Do you know what this is, Nate? I would say the fact that Nate immediately went, oh, why? <laughs> I caught part of this. 1997? Uh, yeah, I caught part of this on like HBO or something. And oh. man, it just got so weird and I turned it off. It's like, I, I only know it by name because it's one of those weird, like, um, Wait, just from the super artsy films. <laughs> I've seen yeah. it on like lists of like artsy films you don't need to watch, just read about them sort of thing. So huh, basically, it's like this guy is like stranded in the desert, and he becomes <laughs> somewhat intimate with a leopard, um, as one does when they're stranded in the desert. How do you become somewhat intimate? I don't know how far it goes. <laughs> like, you just just not call the the leopard back. Commit, like, is that yeah. how it works? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, the part that I turned it off was when I think he started like licking the leopard, which is just a little much. Yeah. Um, but you just want to put that, that way to your brains. All right. So the movie I'm actually Thank picking. You. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> the movie I'm actually picking. I, I was thinking about a few different things. Old Yeller is one of them. But then I decided not to take it so seriously and just pick something absolutely ridiculous. So I'm going with Sheena. I think it's Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Uh, <laughs> Tanya <80s> Roberts. <laughs> it's a gloriously 80s movie. It's like. The Tanya Roberts version of Beastmaster kind of thing. <laughs> Sheena grew up in the African wild, raised by a mystical witch woman. When her foster mother is framed for a murder, Sheena is forced to flee, helped by her ability to talk to animals and her knowledge of the jungle. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it, and it's, it's not great, but <laughs> it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I hope. 
I'm pretty sure I saw this right after I watched Beastmaster. <laughs> Won't be fun to be great at, but it'll be fun to watch. I think no, I think it'll be hilarious. All right, so that will be on the next podcast. Join us for some wholesome, wholesome anime. <laughs> oh yeah, snuggle time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's got one lined up, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got Yeah, because I thought I was on one. Kevin, you have one ready to go? I will by the time it's my turn. Okay, it's sensual animal movies. Wholesome animal movies. Don't let him Yeah, I did see an email or two. Sensual animal love movies. The weirdest theme we've ever had. It really is. It's supposed to be Christmas, guys. What's more Christmas? I really, I really hope this doesn't become a reoccurring theme. Like I, I will tell you now, my movie involves a donkey. Oh. Um, what's the, what's the theme? Lovable animal movies. Wholesome animal love. It's it's Wait, Patrick's what? theme. It's wholesome, Patrick's theme. Wholesome, wholesome animal love. I thought you said love. That's it's like what? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, wholesome, wholesome animal love. It was just going to be animal love, but I was thinking that could go wrong. So I, I appended the wholesome, and then Steve verified why I needed to append the wholesome. To it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm afraid to Google that. <laughs> Google sensual Smart. animal love. That, that was part of the part of the rationale for it. <laughs> <laughs>